Revelation chapter 1, and I want to read that chapter, and then we'd like to spend a little time tonight in verse 8. And I'm sure that all the books of the Bible are as compact as this book of the Bible, if I could see it. But this is a compact book. It is so dense. Every verse is so full. It is just full to the brim and running over. And this is no exception. This verse 8. It is so full. I don't know where to start and where to end, so we'll just dive in. But I'd like to read this chapter, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And I had in, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in thy right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. 
And thus is chapter 1 of the book of Revelation. I'd like to go back to verse 8. Verse 8, we find some things repeated from verse 4. And we want to uh, look at some of those things that we said during that time. But we find in this verse of Scripture, and I've just broken it up this way, I am. And we'd like to spend a little time on that tonight. And I am Alpha and Omega. And those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And there is no letter before, and there is no letter after. And as we mentioned two or three weeks ago, the Lord does not base himself upon a number system. He bases himself upon an alphabet. And an alphabet was not created, was not invented, it was given. Now, people may have sought to try to figure out how to write sounds down, but an alphabet was given. The Lord had an alphabet planned for every nation, kindred, people, and tongue. And an alphabet may not be written, but it is spoken. And it's the ability to put every sound that we have into, into, to most people, they look like hieroglyphics, like Chinese looks to us. Very few people in this world use the English alphabet as their native alphabet, percentage-wise. It looks like hieroglyphics to them, just like Chinese or Spanish or Italian or Arabic looks to us. But it means something to the people that understand that alphabet. Now, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the first and the last, or the beginning and the ending. Now, notice this next three words, saith the Lord. Now, in that, uh, I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit. This particular word, and we've heard about it several times in our study of John, uh, in our Bible class, Brother Mike's been bringing out, but this word is translated Lord 667 times in the New Testament, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's about 50 other times that it's used with a small l, which is talking about somebody. But when the translators translated it, they did us a great favor when they translated it with a large l, large Lord. Now, there are six times it's used as sir, and I've appreciated hearing about those. Sir means the same thing. And that word... Uh, means he to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he is has power of deciding. Now, I like that about the Lord. He has power to decide for us. We're ignorant, weak, and needy people, and we need someone to stand up for us. And that's our Lord. And uh, it means master or Lord. And we have no trouble with that when it comes to our employer, but people have a great deal of difficulty when it comes to the Lord. Now, uh, the Lord, many times in religion, is me. They say He's Lord Almighty with some limitations. <laughs> but the Lord, this Lord, has no limitations. In fact, He goes on to clarify that which is, which was, and which is to come in the last two words of that verse: the. Almighty. Now, you can see with me, going through this verse of Scripture, there are many things about our Lord that are brought up in this verse. The Holy Spirit brought many things. It is putting together many statements throughout the Scriptures. And this, uh, when we look here, I, I am. I just want to spend a little time on that, and it may turn into a longer time than I anticipate. But there's much to be said in the Scriptures about the I am. And I was looking at that uh, this evening, or this afternoon and this evening, and there were some verses in the Old Testament. I said, oh, I am. I am. But the am has been supplied. But I want to read two or three of those. And there, the am is put there for our uh, convenience, convenience to us. means the same thing, but there are many places where the am is not supplied by the translator, but was there given to us by the Holy Spirit. And it means self-existent. It means ever-present. It means I don't go out of date. It means I change not. It means the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what it means. And the first place that we want to go to, would you turn with me to Genesis chapter 17? And in this particular verse of scripture, the am is supplied. But just notice this verse of scripture as 
we find it left for us the alphabet, the sounds, the words. It's so intriguing to me that not only does the Word of God share with us about the Lord Jesus Christ, it says he, about Him, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we get to the book of Revelation, that's in John, book of Revelation, it says, I am the letters that make up the Word. I am Alpha and Omega. I have all things consist in me. There is nothing before me. There is nothing after me. And the church just says, thank God there's no other God beside him. Now, here in the book of Genesis, chapter 17 and verse 1, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Now, we notice that that am has been, trans, has been supplied by the translators. It's in italics. And I, it's an honorable thing for those translators to put the words that they had to supply in italics. It's honorable. It sure beats what some of them are doing today. They're adding words and not letting you know this is not the best rendering of that. So I am the almighty God. God has forever revealed himself as the almighty God. Can you imagine Adam waking up when God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and Adam became a living soul? When he woke up and looked around him, did he have any consideration in his heart or mind that the person who brought him forth and created the heavens and the earth as it stood that in his presence was not an almighty God? The, he created every tree, called on Adam to name every tree and every critter and every animal and every bird and everything, but Adam never had any contemplation in his mind that the person who had created this is not almighty. Now, when he chose to disobey God, he knew he was disobeying almighty God. It's not a little pipsqueak God that he was disobeying. He knew what he was doing. He was disobeying the Lord God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And that's a serious crime of Adam. And that's why we're in such dire straits when we fell in Adam. He knew who he was rebelling against. He knew who he raised his hand against. The Lord God Almighty. And he shared this with Abram some 2,000 years later, 1,500 years later, I am the Lord God Almighty. Now, Stephen put it this way, the God of glory appeared unto Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees. The God of glory. That's in the book of Acts. God of glory. Now, turn with me, if you would, to chapter 35 of this Genesis. Genesis chapter 35. Just two or three of these that the Am has been supplied, and then we want to look at the one in the Old Testament that stands out where we read, I am that I am. Genesis chapter 35 and verse 11. God said unto him, says, thy name's Jacob. Thy name shall no, in verse 10, shall not, shall, shall not be called anymore Jacob, but Israel. Now, Jacob is us by nature, and Israel is us by new birth. We're spiritual Israel. That's what Paul said as he was led by the Holy Spirit to write in the book of Romans. It's not a Jew that's one outwardly. It's not one that wears a hat or curls has curls coming down here or wears black or has Goldstein for a name. That's not a Jew that's one outwardly. Now, they are claim to be descendants of Abraham, that's their business. I, I carry a cup around with me and drink out of it. Wells Fargo and Company. I descend from the wells of Wells Fargo and Company. He lost all his money, and I didn't get a dime out of it. But, you know, and people say, so what? <laughs> well, I, I kind of glory in it. But we find great difficulty in glory and in our relationship to Adam after we've been taken to Israel. 
Now, it's one that is a Jew is one inward, created by God within a Jacob. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Our earthen vessel is Jacob, and our new creation placed within us is Israel. Child of God. Prince with God. Now, notice this. Genesis chapter 35, verse 11, he says, uh, well, verse 10, But Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. Now, that's a, a very good uh, definition of the Lord God Almighty coming upon somebody who's been used to being called Jacob. Jacob, and he says, I'm changing your name. <laughs> and you know what? Jacob was glad about it. <laughs> I'm changing your name. Someone, what did we read? A lo the Lord, he to whom a person or thing belongs about which he has power of deciding. Jacob, you will never do this on your own, but I'll do it for you. I'm going to call you Israel. And then in verse 11, God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Now, is there any way in this world that Jacob, now called Israel, is not going to be fruitful and multiply? <laughs> he's going to have a family. And he's going to have a big family. And that big family is going to represent every kindred, nation, people, and tongue that God saves by his grace and creates spiritual Israel. This is spiritual Israel. Now, there's all kinds of estimations coming out, how many came out of, out of uh, uh, Egypt, uh, three to six million. You know the beauty of it. No man knows, but God knows. God knows those that are his, and no man knows the number that's going to be in glory, but he does. We just look at it, a number no man can number. But he has made everyone, created everyone, Israel's, as he is the Lord God Almighty. Now, Exodus chapter 6. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 6. As we think about this, I am. I am. And uh, they're just, the Bible is just full of the I am's of God. But we just want to look at two or three here where the am is supplied but it is so evident of what is meant. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 2. God spoke unto Moses and said, I am the Lord. I like that. Now that word is Jehovah. I am Jehovah. I'm the Lord. I've got you. I'm a person that owned you. And I will do about you which I please. That's why he could say, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. And whom I will, I'll harden. He said this because he is the Lord. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is able. He is the God that has created the heavens and the earth. He is the one that stooped over a body of dust and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and he became a living soul. He is the one that is used in the creation of every child that has ever been born. And when it came time for his son to come into this world, he took a young woman, a virgin, and created life in her womb without the handiwork of man. And she marveled at the hand of the Lord God Almighty. How shall these things be, seeing I know not a man? And God said, I'm Lord God Almighty. That which shall come from you shall be of the Holy Ghost. I'll stir you. We find the miracles of God so evident throughout the scriptures, the church just can't help but call him Almighty God. We're caught because of an almighty God. It took almighty God. There must be a stronger man than we are. And we're pretty powerful. But a stronger man can come and take control of the house. 
All right, turn with me to the book of Leviticus, if you would. Leviticus 11.43, and this is, this is just so good. Leviticus 11.43, uh, we find several verses in the New Testament that are brought about through this verse of Scripture, but this, this just shares so much about God. This is why we'll never approach God on our own. This is the reason we'll never come into His presence on our own. We must have uh, one that is holy to approach holiness. Notice here in Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 43, the scriptures share these words with us. I uh, thought. 44, thank you. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves and ye shall be holy for I am. unapproachable holy there's only one that can approach him and that is one that is as holy as he is when our savior came down here the lord jesus christ born of a virgin incarnate son of god emmanuel god with us he was holy absolute purity uh, i've had people share with me oh he came down and he could have sinned but he didn't no oh my goodness sakes God forbid, God forbid that those words would proceed out of anybody's mouth. He could not sin for he is holy. What did he show? He showed that temptation can go all the way. You don't have to yield to temptation. He was tempted in all ways that were tempted, yet without sin. Why? I'm the Lord God Almighty. I am the Lord God Almighty. Now, go with me back over to that verse in Exodus. Boy, this is such a good verse. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. How did God reveal himself to a uh, sheep herder? <laughs> I mean, he, he was trying to uh, get the leadership of Israel in his own power. And he went down there all dressed up in his in his Pharaoh outfit, and he tried to get involved and straighten his, the Jews up. And, and one day he killed somebody, and he didn't think he buried him in the sand. And, and all those Jews. <laughs> and he had to run for his life. Now, I love it when it gets to the book of Hebrews. He left Pharaoh because he'd rather be called an Israelite than an Egyptian counted it greater value to be called a Jew than an Egyptian. Now, notice this here. Oh, Moses, he was 40 years old when he left, and he's wandering around 40 years herding sheep. You know what made the sheep herder go crazy, don't you? He's trying to find the long end on a store-bought blanket. Just turned and turned that blanket. He's a sheep herder for 40 years. My goodness. And one day, out in that desert, he sees a sight. And he says, I think I'll turn aside and see this sight. Here in the book of Exodus, this is going to be the beginning of... He is going to, God is going to reveal himself. What do we call a revelation? There's an apocalypse right here in a burning bush. An apocalypse is going to happen. One of the greatest events for Israel in the Old Testament is going to happen right here in a burning bush. Moses is going to speak to God face to face. He's going to speak to Jehovah. He's going to speak to the Lord God Almighty. And he is going to hear his name that we delight in even to this very day. When we are shared from the scriptures by the Holy Spirit of God, that God did not have a beginning, that God has ever been, and he's unchangeable, and he changes not. And if he did change, the first thing he'd do is scratch names out of a book. <laughs> Wicked people we are. Thank God for his eternal covenant of grace. If he regarded sin, who can stand? 
but because of a covenant, because of an agreement that he made in the council halls of eternity as the Lord God Almighty, as the Jehovah God, he will not change his love for his people one dot. Boy, you graph the love of God for spiritual Israel, and it is at the top of the graph 100% all the way from eternity to eternity because he is the Lord God Almighty. Now notice here in Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, well, let's back up to verse 13. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come into the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now, what do we say? Someone says, Who sent you? Lord God Almighty. Lord God Almighty, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Covenant God, Lord God Almighty, had his mind made up and hasn't changed. He's not changed by our cry. He's not changed by our prayer. He's not changed. And we may, in our flesh, for a moment, say, Oh, God, would you change your mind about this? But we're just acting silly, aren't we? Because we don't want a God. We don't want a God in our, in our sanity. We don't want a God that will change. We want a God that has a straight line through history. We want a God that knows the end from the beginning. We want a God that will have mercy on whom he will have mercy and never change his mind. We want a God that has created and created life and will not extinguish that life in us. We want a God that will not go up to the candle and go... Like that. We want a God that will let it burn. That's the God that's an everlasting, eternal Lord God Almighty. Now, Moses says, I'm going to turn aside and see this sight. Thank God Almighty that he puts a hook in our jaws and allows us to do the same thing. I'm going to turn aside and see this. I'm going to see a burning bush. I'm going to see a sight. I'm going to, I, I'm, I've been invited to go get down here to the Grange Hall, and hear some preaching. Now, I really don't want to go, but I think I'll go. And I got down there and couldn't get, I couldn't leave. Every night was a battle. I don't want to go, but I couldn't do anything else. Lord God Almighty was working on a lost preacher. Now, notice this. Verse 14, and God said unto Moses, I like the large letters too. Now, I've got a super giant print, so I can see it from up here. And these super giant prints really put big, I am that I am. They're big letters. And aren't you glad? It's describing a great God. Unchangeable God. A God that will not change. He must be always and eternally the same. I am. That word, that that word means it's the same through every generation. You know, I am was in Adam's day. I am was in Paul's day. And I am is in our day. Every day he is I am. Not I was. Not I will be. But I am. And God's people are just ecstatic they will sing songs of praise and rejoice that every day he's my I am, that I am. Every day he stands and witnesses what goes on in this earth and says, according to plan. Never disappointed when the sun moves across the earth, according to plan. My sheep I will find every last one of them. And not one will be lost. I will stir them. I will move them. I will cause them. I will be with them. But not one will be lost. I'll bring them in. Every one of them. I've got a tug on them. I've got cable on some of them. <laughs> He'll bring them in. Now that's the I am that I am. That's the God that's speaking to Moses. I am that I am. Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Now, jump with me over to the New Testament. 
There's never such a declaration as we find in the New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ uses this, these two words in combination with other words to declare unto his disciples past, present, and future. I am the one that spoke from that bush. I am that I am. One of my favorite ones is, before Abraham was, I am. Now, isn't that good? Abraham was, but before he was, I am. Before Abraham was even a, uh, born, I am. He was the I am in Adam. He was the I am in the council halls of eternity. And we have it described to us in that same verse over there in the book of Roman, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. The one that I am, I was, and I shall be. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But notice over here in the book of John, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. The Lord Jesus spends a great deal of his ministry explaining what he said to Moses in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, and verse 14. He describes to us what he meant when he says, Tell Israel, I am I sent you. Now in that, he said many things. Here in the book of John, chapter 6, we find that the Lord Jesus Christ is explaining what he did to Israel in picture form, in, in reality, I should say, in reality, by the manna. He is describing to the church, I am the bread. John chapter 6, verse 35. John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. Now he showed that to Israel in the Old Testament. By sending down manna. And he says, I'm that bread that came down from heaven. Now there's the type. I'm the anti-type. He is the living bread. He is the bread from heaven. God sit down. He's bread that feeds our soul. He's the bread that gives us life. He sustains us on his bread. His spiritual bread. Now, we thank God for our daily bread. We go buy it or make it or whatever. We thank God for the food we have, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual bread that sustains us in every situation. Keeps us going. Manna. It's no wonder that those children of Israel said, what is it? Manna, what is it? Thanks be unto God for his undescribable gift. You just can't come to the end of describing him. And every facet is a blessing for the church. I am the bread of life. Notice in verse 41 of that same chapter. The Jews then murmured and said, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Oh, murmur, murmur. What'd they do with the physical bread? What'd they do about manna? Oh, we loathe this light bread. If we could just get back to Egypt. And they loathed the Lord Jesus Christ in their very presence. Why? Because he was holy. He was holy. In verse 48 of that same chapter, it says, I am the bread of life. You'll not have any life without this bread. In verse 51 of that same chapter, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall give or live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. I'm going to lay down my life a ransom for many. That's the bread. I'm going to give it. Now, how did he identify himself to two disciples that were heartbroken when they, <laughs> they're on the road to Damascus and they're not going to a party. The road to Emmaus and they're not having a party. They're sick of heart. How did the Lord God Almighty reveal himself to those? He went in and had lunch with them and took over the dinner. And he broke bread. 
and their eyes were opened and he disappeared out of their midst and they ran back to Jerusalem <laughs> and said he's risen we saw him we didn't recognize him until he broke that bread and he showed us in our soul did not our hearts burn within us what bread the Lord God Almighty has for us feasting in the sweet Sweet morrow of his riches as he allows the sustenance to flow out from the throne of grace. Now, we talk about a marriage supper of the Lamb. We're not going to sit down to uh, potatoes and gravy. <laughs> We're going to sit down to the attributes, characteristics, and joy of the Lord. It will be food for our soul. Now, turn with me, if you would, over to the chapter 8. Chapter 8, the Lord Jesus Christ again saying, now, remember over there in, in the Old Testament, the Jews were led by a light. There was a light. There was a light by night. There was a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Light to Israel. Isn't that an interesting passage of Scripture when they said there was light in Goshen, but darkness you could feel in Egypt? Now, just remember that. When you're out in your world. There's light in Israel. And darkness you can feel. That's why people are. We, we just look at this. How can you be so stupid? How can you be so stupid? Now we don't say that. <laughs> we may think it. But we don't say it. How can you? But once you realize. It's the light of heaven. That opens people's understanding. Then you quit saying it. Even in your soul. But how can you? I mean, I've done all I can. I've shown you. Now, if it could have been, if we could get into the kingdom by education, we would wear people out, wouldn't we? We would. Our children, we'd sit down with them until they were educated into the kingdom. But we cannot educate anybody into the kingdom of heaven. It's by birth only. Now, they got to hear the gospel, and they won't hear it with this ear very well, and they won't hear it with this until it's open to them. But it is a light. Now, notice here in John chapter, six, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Now, he shared with Israel in the Old Testament. Pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. One night, there was a camp. And Egypt was all gathered up in their chariots, and it was dark over there. And on this side of that, it was light for Israel. That side's dark. That's just the way it is. It's light in the kingdom and dark in this world. Dark. Our friends are dark. They are in darkness. You can talk to your blue in the face. You drop subtle hints and you drop hints and pretty soon maybe they'll ask you a question. No greater time in a Christian's life as someone comes up to you and says, why do you believe what you believe? That's what they, the children or the daughters of Jerusalem asked the bride over the Song of Solomon. And her answer was a good, complete answer. And finally she summed up and says, he's just altogether lovely. Altogether lovely. Now, I'm the light. I am the apocalypse. I am the light to lighten the Gentiles. World sits in darkness. I am the light. I am the one that turns on the ability to see me. I am the one that again, turns on the ability to hear the word of God. I am the one that turns on the ability to desire to hear the word of God. I am the one that turns on the desire to even read the word of God. I am the light of the world. And outside of me there is great darkness. On my backside there is darkness. But in front of me there is a great light. And as I turn my beacon upon all my people... The light will go out and strike them. I'll never forget when I was in the third or fourth grade, a man came up from Alters. We lived in a country, and we went to a country school. Eight grades, one teacher, 17 or 18 students, and four or five of them were all my brothers and sisters. <laughs> and this guy came up from Alters, and he's going to show us something brand new. And we, you know, okay, he brought up a solar cell. 
attached to a propeller. We went out in the sunshine, put his hand over the top of that, and that propeller stopped, took his hand off, propeller ran, and we went. I am the light of the world. I'm the only thing that will give any movement to anybody. Without me, you can't have life. I'm the light of the world. It goes on to say there, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What a delight. He hooks us to his belt. <laughs> we follow him. And his word becomes precious. And it says he will not walk in darkness. My, we open this book up and just find out it is so knit together. It is finger jointed together. Everything fits together so grandly. And that's one of the, the joys of studying books of the Bible is to find out how they all fit like this. Joel fits with the book of Revelation. And Malachi fits with Matthew. They just fit together, dovetail together. There's no large cracks. They just, you, well, the old saint can't get a cigarette paper between them. <laughs> They're so close together. All right, and then it tells us in verse uh, 58 of that 8th chapter, this, this is, oh, I just love this. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Chapter, chapter 8, verse 58. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Now notice the reaction, verse 59. We think... Oh, they're going to love, because they're related to Abraham. Abraham is their father. They'll love hearing this good news. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. Why did they do that? Because they knew Exodus 3.14. They knew what it said, and when he uses the words in Greek that were used in Hebrew in the Old Testament that came out of that burning bush, they were upset. Just like when he said there were many widows and there were many lepers. When he declared who he was from the Old Testament, they were upset. Now, on the other side, there were some disciples that said, Now, isn't that grand? <laughs> I knew it all along, but now he said it. Isn't that grand? Before Abraham was, I am. Why? Because he's the Lord God Almighty. He's the only Savior. He's the only Savior. Now, turn with me, if you would, to uh, chapter 10, verse 7. Chapter 10, and verse 7. I am the door. I am the door. Can you imagine someone out here talking along and pretty soon he says, I am the door. I'm the door of the sheep, it says in verse 7. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I am the door. I am the entrance. I am Alpha and Omega. There's no other. There's none before me. There's none after me. Now, it's a secret door. The world can't see the door. It's by revelation. It's by apocalypse. <laughs> a light to lighten the Gentiles. He's a light to lighten us. He's the door. We, we walk by him so many times. The, look, just look at the numbers during the times of the Lord Jesus that were with him in so many instances and they just walked by and some of them said, this, this is uh, Joseph's son. We know his brothers and sisters. And uh, others said, oh, he's from Nazareth. And one day, Jesus asked Peter, 
who do you say that I am? Well, first of all, he'd said, uh, some say you're a, one prophet or another prophet. Who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, I'm the door. I'm the door. Flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. It's by God's grace your hand landed on the handle. By God's grace you went through the door. You were blind to it until it was shown you. There's a secret door. Now men will not raise up and look at it. We have to have God's faithful finger under our chin to get our head out of our belly button to see the door. And if he doesn't raise us, we're all bowed over, bowed over, bent over. Unless he raises us, we'll just go on. We won't notice it. All right? And then chapter uh, 10, verse 11. Chapter 10, verse 11. I love this. I don't like sheep very much, but if you're going to have sheep, what a good thing to have a good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now that's just as clear, clear a statement as you can find in all the Bible about God, about Christ, and about particular redemption. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And then in that same chapter, verse 14, it says, I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep and I'm known of mine. Now, I like that too. I like that too. I used to love going back to New Pine Creek and visit with my aunt and uncle and my uncle and my grandparents because I was known by them. I could pull up. They'd meet me at the door. And Jesus said, I know sheep I know my sheep wherever they are I know my sheep and I'm known of mine he doesn't reveal himself and we're ignorant about it we know him we'll follow him to the ends of the earth why because he's got the lead rope on us we will follow him we will follow him well the scripture says that he's the resurrection and the life that's what he said unto those, uh, unto uh, Lazarus' sister. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, I am the true vine. There's a lot of vines. A lot of vines cumber the ground. But he's the true vine. And then turn with me, if you would, over to the book of John 18. John 18. The I am's. They just describe the Lord God Almighty. They describe that one that spoke from the burning bush. The I am that was in the day of Adam. The I am that was in the days of Paul. And the I am that is today. He's unchanged, unchangeable. He is self-existent. He is underived. No one derived the Lord. Didn't come to us by thinking. He's always been. He's independent. Of all things. Independent of all things. He's subject to no change. And it's impossible to be any other than that. The I am. Now, John 18 and verse 5. I love this. You think, oh, the Lord's going to be arrested and he's in dire straits. By the word of his mouth, he shows who's in absolute control. And he's going to say this same thing to Pilate. You don't know who you're talking to. You're just getting to do what I want you to. Essentially what he said. Now notice here, verse 18, chapter 18, verse 5. Says, then answered Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am, and he's been supplied. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. 
As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Hmm. He's almighty. He's the Lord God almighty. He's almighty God. These guys come with swords and spears and everything to arrest him. And he spoke. Now, I was reading in Hawker. You look in Hawker under A. A. And it mentions Alpha and the Hebrew equivalent. And in Hebrew, the Alf is said with just breath. A. And he brings out the same breath that breathed into the nostrils of our first father, Adam is reminded every time they use their first letter. A. Now, he's using the first letter. I, I like nature films, and every once in a while I have one on wolves. What's the head wolf? He's the alpha male. Now, he's alpha. He's in charge. He is master. Everyone else puts their tail down when he's around. There's anyone that wants to raise their tail in his presence going to have it bent back down. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess the Lord Jesus to the glory of God the Father. Now notice here what happens. Whom seek ye? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. There in the dust. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, as they're dusting themselves off. Jesus says, I've told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. That the same might be fulfilled, which he spake of them, which thou gavest me, have, lost I, have I lost none. They got up, brushed themselves off. He said the same thing. And he went into custody. Why? It's the straight line of history. The purpose of grace. But he demonstrated to them who was in charge. And he'll bring it up again. I am the Lord God Almighty. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The Lord God Almighty. And then there's three statements in between there. And we'll look at those. Our time is up. Thank you.